What's up, world? I go by the name of Jabari. I know you guys are upset with me. Sorry, the podcast has been slipping, but we're back. And I promise you we're going to be back with so much more. Um, I've just been incredibly busy. Just to give you guys a brief update of what's been going on, I just started producing a TV show for Centric, uh, which is BET Sister Network. Um, I'm still working on my film right now. Uh, the party is popping off like crazy. I just came back from Sundance. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on, guys. I'm very, very sorry that I haven't been updating. But it's coming. Uh, my Sprite campaign is out. Go to Sprite.com and check that out. Thirst of the Burrows um, for NBA All-Star Weekend. There's just so much going on. Um, but I have not forgot about the Words with Friends podcast. And... Thank you so much to everybody that has supported and pledged a dollar or more at Patreon.com. I'm seeing all those things come in, even though we've been on a hiatus. That is just, it just makes me so happy that you guys have supported the podcast and you guys continue to support the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast even more and make sure we can still keep it going, go to Patreon.com slash Jabari and you can donate as little as a $1 tip to the Words with Friends podcast. All right. So with that being said... I'll get into more of what I have going on, but, you know, this thing is not really about me. Uh, It's about my good friend, Benoni Tego, who's here with me. And, man, this guy, I can't even, I'm not going to do a just intro for him because uh, he's done a lot of stuff. This is is an interesting podcast because Benoni is my actual friend uh, as well as business associate. Um, So we have a lot to talk about uh, in, in, in those two realms. There's just so much to, to talk about with this man, but Benoni, go ahead, introduce yourself to the people. What up? I'm I'm happy to be on uh, the Words with Friends podcast. Um, podcast. I mean, just in general, the market of podcasts is growing so much. So, um, anytime anytime that I get a chance to be on a show like this, I'm always all about it. And um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Cool, um, Benoni. So, where do we first meet? Let's talk about that, man. Um. I would say it has to be um, when we did the panel. So there was a panel about diversity, and this was probably... How um, many panels have we both been on about diversity? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's funny because this was probably, give or take, three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm a producer on uh, the web series Awkward Black Girl, and so they brought us out to do this panel. And it was about diversity then, and ironically, we're still talking about diversity for the record, I don't want to do any more diversity panels. No thank you. Can we talk about something else? Um, but yeah, we met at the uh, in New York. We actually yeah. flew to New York for a couple days. Um, met you then and then just kind of stayed in touch. Well, so uh, when I first met you, you were doing... Well, you and you still are. You're a producer on the very, very popular web series, Awkward Black Girl. Um, you, you're the one that, you know, linked me up with Issa and then we did the documentary on Issa, Jabari Presents. Uh, Issa has become, you know, a really good friend as well. And, um, uh, but yeah, that's how, how I met you was in this web series, digital content space about four or five years ago. Um, and, you know, talk about how you sort of even entered that space because at the time I, I don't think people were, you know, producing, I mean, people were producing web series, but like, you know, the, you were the behind-the-scenes guy in the web series market, you know what I mean? And, and at that time, there wasn't, like, that type of person, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Um, I've seen money come and go in the web series space. Um, 
So, not to name drop, but essentially my start, I started off in the music industry, and um, at the time I was working for the Jonas Brothers, and I know Nick Jonas is hot right now, which is crazy to me because like before people used to laugh at me when I said that. Yeah. But now Nick Jonas is like all over the place. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually proud of the dude. But um, anyway. What's that song he has now? He has a Jealous song. Oh, yeah. And he right. has a new song called Chains that's killing it right now, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, I, I was working with them. You know, I, I came to L.A. to pursue my music industry dreams. And after a while, I kind of got to a point of, you know... I want to do more of my career and through mutual friends I met Issa Rae and um, she was like you know I have this web series idea that I want to work on and I was always like a business guy and a social media guy so I was like you know I'll run your social media um, and I'll help you with business stuff so you know I literally like said okay this is what you need to do to create to get a business license um, this is what you need to do to open up a business bank account and from there um, I just kind of just played the behind the scenes role I look for opportunities to make money um, brand sponsorships, uh, strategic partnerships, um, that was kind of my role. And over the time, you know, we went from, you know, doing Kickstarters, we raised $60,000 in 30 days, um, then we sold our, our second season to Pharrell, and, um, you know, we sold a show to Tracy Edmonds, so there was a time where people were actually putting money into YouTube shows. That's not really happening anymore. But at that time, I was the guy that was kind of like orchestrating and structuring the deals. Okay, so <laughs> explain, you know, when you say uh, you could do things, you know, you offered, he said, I could, I could help you do this on social media, or you should be doing this. What were some of those specific examples? Or what were some of the things that, you know, she was lacking, and you were like, why are you not doing this, or we should be doing this, and all that? Um, the number one thing that comes to mind is it's going to sound super simple, but um, you know you'll be surprised at how much people don't know that you that you may know. But um, I was like, you know, you should create a newsletter, and she was like, oh well, which service should I use? You know, yeah, I don't know, I don't even know if Mailchimp was out at the time, but we went with FanBridge, and I was like, you know, this is this is how you can create your newsletter. These are the things that should be in it, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'll run, I'll run your Twitter, I'll run your Facebook. Like literally all the things that you guys could do and that I that we all do every day, those were my selling points to be involved. Mm, and gotcha. so yeah, yeah. She um she was like, Okay, cool, I need help with that and that was initially like how I started. By the way, I used to use Fanbridge as well. Fanbridge is garbage compared to MailChimp. <laughs> um, I yeah. got off Fanbridge ASAP two years ago or maybe even one year ago and I got on MailChimp and MailChimp man, trust me, MailChimp doesn't pay me anything. I pay MailChimp too much money every month, but they rock. <clears throat> I really like Mailchimp's like analytics and uh, all the stuff that like the back end of what you can see. Like yeah. I don't know, and and it's just not as clunky as Fanbridge. Fanbridge is a very, it's just cumbersome. Like the the process and putting images in a campaign and just making a campaign look clean all around. Yeah, it's not it's not cool. Do you use a uh, Mailchimp Snap? Have you heard of that? Yeah, that is the one photo. To email, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't... I have the app right now, but I haven't used it yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks pretty cool, though. But, like, I don't really have anything that I would just send, you know what I mean? Like that. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you're in the middle of a party, and you're trying to get people to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, what's like, look what yeah, you're missing out on. Look what you're missing out on. Boom. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe I should do that. The next color is a good idea. Um, so, okay. You know, I mean, that... that what you're speaking of and 
it's something that, I mean, like I said earlier, Benoni and I are business partners. We have a company called Volume Visual where we sort of manage um, the YouTube channels of different people and sort of look for branded opportunities and just digital opportunities for, uh, for you know, certain artists and, and uh, personalities. Um, and two of our biggest main clients are Chanel West Coast and um, DJ Who Kid. But I think that an interesting point that you brought up and that I'm seeing right now, man, is that, like you said, you'd be surprised at the things that people who are quote-unquote on don't know how to do or are not doing or don't have the time to do. And I think that's where somebody like me and you, we come in and say, hey, you could be doing this, which could be resulting in X amount of dollars. And if you allow us to do this for you, then, you know, compensate us in this way or whatever. But, like, I think that's the thing, man. So talk a little bit about providing value for people that is not even, that they don't even realize what that value is. Yeah. Um, So this is, like, part of what I do. I've been very good at over the years. So when I first came into the entertainment industry, my selling point was always social media. Why? Because... I was talking to older people who said, oh, I know I need to be involved with social media, but I don't know how to tweet. I don't know how to face. I don't know how to post on Facebook. Mm. And so I never really read a book or I never really I never really read up on strategies for social media. I just kind of used that as my calling card and I just learned along the way. And so my strategy, whenever I'm talking to someone and I see like holes in their brand, I'm like, "Okay, look, this is what I can do for you. This is what you're going to get out of it when it's all said and done. And this is what it's going to cost you. It may not cost you, it may not cost them any upfront money. I may be able to come in and implement a system that they're going to make money and then I'll take a piece out of that. Mm-hmm. Or it might cost them a little bit of time. Like, okay, I need you to do this so that, you know, we can get to this point. Um, so whenever you're looking to create value for someone, you just got to create a clear picture and most importantly, know what you're talking about. And just be willing to help. And if the person is, if you see the person is valuable enough for you to be working with, you know, sometimes in the early days or even after you are quote unquote established, it's okay to work for free. Yeah. And a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, I'm not doing it. What's the budget? Oh, you don't have a budget? I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of things like Issa, Issa told me, she was like, you know, I want to bring you on my team, but I can't pay you. So, you know, maybe we should, we should pick up this conversation later. And I was like, no, 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 it's cool. Let, let's do it. And yeah. now I actually get paid to work with her. So, um, you know, that was a that was a case of if I was greedy and said, if you don't have a budget, I'm not working. I wouldn't be probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. Exactly. And you know what's so funny, man, is that, you know, I, I was in a situation like this recently where somebody was trying to work with me, and you know, I. The, the, there was actually a budget involved in the thing, but it's like I didn't need the person, right? And they were trying to work with me, and you know they we we couldn't come to an agreement on what the specific price was, but it was essentially too low for them. But they had been trying to reach out to me to work with me on this particular thing, and I'm just like, if you really want to work with somebody that bad, I mean, I know for me it's like I don't even think that there should be a cost if you you know what i mean if if i'm if i'm really trying to work with you and show you what i got you know what i mean prove to you myself or my worth and how i can help you i don't even think you should no matter what level you're at 
you shouldn't even be worried about the money. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 like when a person like Diddy or somebody like that. You know, I don't know the inner workings of when Diddy starts to manage somebody or but but I do know other managers. I mean, Diddy's not even a manager technically. Like, but I know when managers start to manage artists, they're like, "Hey, I'm going to bring these opportunities to you and I'm just going to show you what I can do for you. I'm going to, and where it's going to be on a pro bono basis. Or even a lot of agents do that when, before they rep you, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm going to show you that I can get this, that, and the third for you. If you're cool with it, then we'll sign the paperwork. And I just think that that should be the, the rule of thumb when it comes to like proving yourself and trying to work for somebody, not, Hey, I want to work for you. Do you have this amount of money? Because this is what I need. You know what I mean? I, Especially when it's not like in a in a traditional employer employee sense. Like it, if you're trying to consult for somebody and do this, like I, I don't know. I just think that I don't know. But I mean, I could play devil's advocate, and it goes two ways. Because it's like if you're if you're if you're a consultant and you're trying to get business, like I understand that you need a budget. You know what yeah, I mean to absolutely. to do certain work. I, I guess it just depends. I don't know. I mean, at, at the point that you could walk away from a deal. You know, then that means that you're you're good in life. Like, you know, I've heard people say, "Oh, you know, they offer me three thousand dollars a month, and I just couldn't take it." Like, that means that you're good. Like yeah, my yeah. barber, for yeah. example. Yeah. This dude, my barber charges a lot of money because he has a lot of celebrity clientele, and he's like in demand. And he's always talking about how he doesn't want any new clients. And I'm like, it trips me out because I'm like, <laughs> as a freelance person. Yeah. You you mean to tell me you don't want new clients? And he's like, no, I don't want any more clients. And he's like, I'm actually thinking about raising my prices so I can start weeding out some people. Like, wow. well, that's see, that's that's because he's in a business where his output determines his money, and his so his time and energy determines his determines his income. You know what I mean? If you're in a business where you know you're in like. I don't know, like an informational product business or something, or you're in like the content business where you make something one time and then you distribute it and you sell it and then you can license it and all that stuff and you can continue to make money based on one thing that you've created and that it just exists in the world, then it's a different story. And you're always going to want to build and build and build and build right. upon that. You want to build your catalog or you want to, you know, you want to build the amount of people that pay to use your service. But like when you're in a, in a, in a, in a, what's the, I don't even know what that's called, like, when, when you're, it's almost like a workhorse, you know what I mean, like, when you're, when you have, when you're, what you're doing physically, and the time spent is the, is the, the, the deciding factor in how much money you make, you know, yeah, I can see why he would want to take a break. Yeah, well, it's definitely not scalable, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only way that he can start to make equal or more money and work less is he's gonna have to start bringing people underneath him. Yes, new barbers. Yeah, he's gonna have to sell his brand as like, oh, I co-signed these barbers. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. gonna go out and he could sit back, but that takes a lot of strategic thought, and people are very, you know, particular about their barbers. So, you know, that's another thing you got to be important about the business. You got to be um, specific about the business that you want to be in, and you got to really think things through. Yeah, what do you, what do you think, man, about? You know, let's, so let's talk about scalability and, and because I think what one thing, man, that I'm seeing a lot in my career is like doing things like I'm, I'm, I do a bunch of different things. Right. So it's like having 
there's some businesses that I'm very interested in that like that do scale, uh, and that's digital content, right? So like there's a there's a there's a way to really scale that and and, and blow that out. But then like other stuff that I just enjoy, man, stuff that I want to do, is like I want to open a bar. You know what I mean? Because I throw this huge party, I have thousands of people that are like in tune with what I'm doing and coming to my events on both coasts. So like one of my definite plans of what I'm going to do in the future is open a bar, but like that's not scalable. So brick and mortar business, it's a place where people come. You can only have a certain amount of people in there at one time, but it's something that, I mean, I'm just a connector and I love to just have fun. I love to have events. I love to most importantly connect people that I think should be connected that are like within my network and people that I know. Like there's nothing better for me than like connecting people that I think should know each other. Right. So that's a big part of, of, of what I want this uh, this venue to do. But there's also going to be like a tech and, you know, digital marketing and all that element to it. But it's just like, how do you choose, you know, what to do? It's like, do you, do you always try to do things that are scalable and that can be, you know, that are, that are, that involve tech and that can just like, multiply and the user base can grow and all of that stuff or you know do you try to take elements of those things and like put it into maybe a traditional business like being a barber or you know like having a bar or having a restaurant or something like that because I, I think there's like a, a middle ground where you can still make things scale but like make traditional things scale or maybe there isn't I don't know I mean, for me, I'm like all about just do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if if it's like, oh, I want to create, I want to do, a, I want to have a bar, but I don't know how I'm going to really blow this thing out and how I can like, you know, live off of it comfortably. I think that once you establish the bar, there's going to be things that you're going to find while you're working or while you're creating this bar environment. You're like, oh, I can do this. So I can do that. There's going to be offspring products that can come from that. Yeah. So for instance, you might, I don't know, your bar... Um, might make its own beer. And mm-hmm. before you know it, like, you can start selling your beer in grocery stores. Yeah, And yeah. people are buying it at Rouse, and they're like, oh, I love this Jabari's beer. Yeah. And little <laughs> do they know that it actually is a bar in L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, for sure, man. I mean, there's a, I, the, there's gonna be there's going to be a show that's shot in the bar exactly. that I'm going to put online. Yeah. There's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. All of my... Music friends are gonna perform at the, you know, so it's, yeah, it's just gonna be a whole, a whole thing. Yeah, and as entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, we have multiple ideas, so that's that's one lane, and then you might have other things. You know, it's all about multiple streams of revenue. Yes. And so your bar might be the passion project, and you know, you might be breaking even, but you love doing it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you actually have other things that you're doing that are actually paying your bills. Yeah, yeah. What well, I mean, it's man, that I mean that right there is. Is definitely, uh, I think, what a lot of entrepreneurs go through. Uh, talk about how how were you able to sort of balance the things that that you do? Because you know, like you said, you might have one thing that's like this is the passion, but it's just not bringing the revenue in. And I know so many people that listen to the podcast, they are in that scenario where they're like, "Man, I love doing this, but this is not how I make my money right now." You know, so like, what what did you do when you were in that scenario? Well, I um, I mean, it's only been recent, maybe a year and a half, two years. I basically just came up with this idea that it's a privilege to hustle, and what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're out hustling because we want to create things, we want to be our own boss. 
but if you're not able to like feel feed your like if you're not able to feed yourself literally literally or you have bills that are late it's hard to like be a hustler and have like these big dreams of like things that are not immediately doable for you Mm -hmm. and so what i try to do is i try to first make sure i'm taken care of like okay am i able to provide breakfast lunch and dinner for myself do i have a roof over my head is my cell phone bill paid okay those basic needs are met now let's go out and do things that my mom is going to be like i just don't understand what you're doing (laughs) like why don't you go get a job you know so um that has been my strategy just making sure that i'm taken care of and then everything else should fall along you know man I will say that's one thing that I really learned from you. You know, like when I moved out here, and we're going to keep it all the way 100 on this, guys, with you. It's like, so when I moved out to L.A., I stayed at my mentor uh, who's been on the podcast before, Rob Ford's house. And, uh, and then after there, I was looking for an apartment but still had to get the business stuff straight and was hustling and was trying to figure out, well, where's the next film budget going to come through? What's going on with the events? What's going on with everything? And so, uh, and with our company, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with that, what was going to be the next move. And, um, and so Benoni opened up his crib for me, and I, I was on Benoni's couch for about two months and uh, before I got my own spot. And, you know, that's just the, the any entrepreneur, any hustler has, has had that time, you know, whether it's your parents, whether it's, whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody who just lets you crash and, you know, you get your stuff together. And one thing that, that, Benoni, I mean, man, those were some tough times for both of us, man. <laughs> I remember that. I mean, it was, it was hustling, man, eating just like whatever we could, um, and 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 just trying to come up with money to just pay rent. You know, yeah. like that, that was, and 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 me trying to come up with money to to leave so I could pay my own rent somewhere. Um, and man, I mean, just what you said about being able to know like being able to have the privilege to be able to hustle man because when you're when you're in a situation where and I don't even want to say comfortable like when you're when you're completely worried about if you're going to have a place to live mm-hmm. how you how you're going to eat um how you're going to get to the meeting I mean like you know like if you don't have a car it's hard to give your best output on the thing that you love to do or the thing that you think is going to add value and change the world. It's very hard to do those things when your ribs are touching. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so hard. And and I think that, you know, you just being like having that mentality for yourself and then telling me like, look, man, this is what you got to do and you got to figure out this was like, that's how I was able to be like, look, what's working the best right now? What do I need to focus on? Mm-hmm. Focus on this and now I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, this that's going perfectly. So now I can focus on this. Or now, I, and 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 then and then the funny thing is, is like, then opportunities just start to fall in your lap. You know what I mean? But it's because you've created at least some basic level of stability. You know what I mean? I I know so many people that that are like, yo, I'm hustling right now. I'm hustling. I'm hustling. I can't catch a break. I'm hustling. I'm hustling. But it's like. But you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. You don't have a real, a regular job. And you could get a regular job. You know what I mean? Like, a re- there, there's no shame in getting a regular job. There's no shame in, in leaving the 9 to 5 and then working the 5 to 9. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no shame in working a job just so you can have a decent living situation, 
put food on your plate and get to and from work and pay your bills, man. Because if you can't do that, then how in the world are you going to, you know, be able to have ideas that are going to, like I said, change the world? Like, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, when you, Russell Simmons says, when you, when you have everything that you need, you attract things to you. And when you want, and you want, you push things away. I mean, like Jabari, to go back, like Jabari was saying, um, you know, sleeping on the couch. At the time, we were building up Volume Visual. And ironically, I like I think about this probably every day. Like, <laughs> there was, the idea was so good, and the pitch was so put well put together, yeah. that we were walking into major companies and never walked away without an offer. No, no. Like, I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking about some of these offers were were uh, in the six figures. Yeah, offer. six figure deals. Yeah, and we walked away. Ironic. We we got an offer from every door that we went, that every meeting that we went into, with major companies that were doing big things in the in the space that we were trying to get into, and we ended up walking away from every deal because we were blinded by. I need my money right now. (laughs) And like, they had situations set up where like, oh, well, you know, how about this? Why don't you guys come work for us? We'll give you a percentage of what you're building and we'll we'll help you guys build it out. We're like, no, no way. You know, mind you, companies, these companies, like right now, they're selling for 30, 40 million, you know, and they're offering us equity stakes. But because we were so hungry, literally, like <laughs> literally it blocked out our judgment and I ended up after that was all said and done and the offers were not on the table I ended up getting a job that paid me a little bit less than the offers that were on the table <laughs> and I'm like now you talk about like just wanting to slap yourself yeah like I'm still slapping myself <laughs> I mean I my, my living situation right now could be different but I live and I learn and I'll, and I'll be better but yeah I mean and I think I mean you know, yeah, looking at that too, man, it's like, yo, you know, if we would have took some of those deals, who knows what would have happened. But, I mean, at the same time, like, in our defense, some of those deals were not, like, ownership was completely out the window of some right. things. Like, you know, our idea, our idea was was probably going to be compromised a little bit or whatever. But, like, I mean, yeah, I feel you. I mean, you live it, you learn. And I don't I don't think that it was a mistake that we didn't take that there. But, like, like you said, the most important thing was, like, it, we were both in situations, man, where we could not go on for like if we would have taken any of those deals, we could not have gone on two more months without probably being evicted. You know what I mean? Like and that's that's real. So it's like that 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 just is <laughs> it was almost impossible. You know what I mean? Like how are you? You can't take the deal when like you're not gonna have a house, right? You know, I mean that that's the that's the funny thing about it. But again, you know, just making sure you're you're taken care of and then you go out and hustle. You know, I used to manage artists and uh, when I was younger and a lot of the artists and producers I used to manage were like high school kids. And I used to like, my number one rule is like, I wouldn't work with you if you didn't have a driver's license and if you didn't have a job as a high school kid. Yeah. You know, so you can be working at McDonald's, Taco Bell, at the mall, whatever. That's cool. And the reason why I had that rule is because you know, like, when it comes down to studio time, like, are you going to be able to pay for your studio time? Mm-hmm. Or when we get a door slammed in our face because you're just another rapper walking through that door, like, is everything going to come crashing down for you? So I always wanted people that I worked with to have some sort of stability so that we can weather the storms that are going to come. Because sometimes, you know, your dreams don't love you as much as you love them. 
and you know you may never get to them. Um, hopefully, you do, but the process can be very rough. What What do you What do you say to somebody that you know? Because a, a, another part of the of the game that we're sort of in is not only you know realizing and actualizing our own dreams and pursuits, but you know a lot of it is helping other people get there. You know what I mean? Or at least helping people realize like, hey. You could be doing this a little bit better. So, like, this is how I'm going to help you in this regard, right? So, what what happens, though, when somebody, when their dream is taking a little too long to accomplish? Like, how do you know when to sort of, like, go off and say, hey, maybe I should be doing a little something different? Yeah, you just have to be realistic with, with yourself and listen to other people sometimes, you know. You gotta, when you listen to other people, you got to do it with caution. Like, are they hating? Do they not understand? You know, especially if they're not in the industry that you're in. But, you know, find people that are in the field that you're in, in the same lane, and ask them, like, hey, how could I, this is what I've been trying to do. It's not working for me. Why is that? Is it because, is it me? Am I not good enough? Or am I, do I just need to make a couple tweaks? So you just have to be open to listen to critiques and, I listen to everybody. Like when people talk and they give me advice, I I shut up and I listen. Mm-hmm. And then once I listen, then I have then I do a background check. Like okay, you know what is this person about? It, are they hating or do they do they are they really offering solid advice? Yeah, yeah. Benoni, what what would you sort of call yourself right now? You know, like because there's a few things I want to talk about, but. What what would you what would you say aside from just being an entrepreneur? Like, where are your specific specialties? Um, I mean, besides an entrepreneur as a blanket term, I mean, I'm a, I guess, web series producer is kind of my my main thing that I've been doing. Okay, and do you think that you could have that title, or you could have created the career you've created anywhere else but Los Angeles? Um, for, for me, sure. I mean, but it's very specific places. Um, L.A., New York, and Atlanta, mm-hmm. pretty much. Like, I'm from Vegas, and Vegas is a major city. People go, a lot of people go there, but I had to leave to do what I do now. Yeah. Um, I know for the music industry, like, we had a little bit of a buzz in Vegas. Like, we would walk around in the malls, and people would recognize us. Our MySpace page was doing pretty well. This is when you were a managing artist in When Vegas. I was managing yeah. artist, yeah. So our MySpace page was doing very well. But I said, in order for me to take it to the next level, I need to move to L.A. And within three months of moving to L.A., I started off as an intern at the, as the jo- with the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. And I had to leave home to do that. Yeah, yeah. What What about L.A. has, what have been the, the blessings, the curses, the, you know, what have you seen out here? that has impacted your career? Um, LA, I mean, like most things, um, most industries and most places, it's all about relationships. And LA has really just like allowed me, specifically because I had like a notable web series and I was affiliated with, you know, a huge pop group. I was able to just build great relationships. Yeah. And after a while, people know what you're about and you know, I was able to stand, like, not just relationships in the work sense, but relationships where people actually wanted to hang out with me and have a beer with me, which is important. Um, that has kind of been my calling card. And, um, and I'm sorry, I kind of lost track of the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, so, you know, just talk about that, man, because a lot of times I think 
people 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 want to always make relationships like transactional all the time like okay well what are we doing right now to the point where like it just gets like you can always tell when somebody's like using you for something you know what i mean and and i think that with entertainment and with LA and with this whole th- mix of things and just even in New York i mean there are so many blurred lines of you know uh work or or business and just like life you know what i mean so uh, how 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 are you you know is there any strategies that you you know like for instance is has there been a time when people that maybe you wanted to work with somebody but like you didn't have anything in particular to work on you know what i mean but like oh hold on guys this is my my phone is connected to bluetooth right now um so yeah you know but uh, let me frame the question again i think you know what what i what i'm asking is how have How do you manage, yeah, business and personal relationships? Uh, they almost become one and the same for me. I okay. mean, I don't really... I'm a little bit different than most. Like, I be, I'm in caveman mode. Yeah. I really don't move. Like, yeah. I rarely... Like, I have a routine of things that I do. Like, I had... I was with someone, and she used to, like, get mad at me because she was, like, all about the... I gotta go to this place to meet this person. I gotta go to this event. And I was like, okay, cool, have fun. I'll, I'll be in the house. And the reason being is because when I do establish relationships, like when I am out, like I try to do a one-to-one basis. So like, you know, let's go grab grab drinks, let's go grab coffee, lunch, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's one one on one, and I'm going to just good vibes. You're gonna want to rock with me after yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah. And so now it may take me longer to know more people. But I feel like my relationships are stronger because of the way that I've approached it. And I don't always go into things like looking at, like, what can I get from you or what can you get from me? It's about, this is what I do. That's what you do. Okay, cool. When something comes up, Mm -hmm. I'll holler at you and likewise. And then I send, you know, every now and then I see you working on something. Oh, let me send a text. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I see what you're doing. You know, I might retweet something that they're doing. I might like their Instagram picture and comment on it. Mm-hmm. You know, those little things. And then you also got to understand that the people that you're trying to work with, if you have value, which you should know that you have value and you should be working on your value on a daily basis, they're going to be watching you. So it might turn in. I've had plenty of situations where I approach somebody on the I'm trying to work with you tip and they push me to the side and then they find out what I'm working on or they see the progress. And before you know it, we become best friends, quote unquote. Yeah. So like, yeah. In those situations, like I see, like I see what you're trying to do, and I'm gonna let you think that you're playing me. But at the end <laughs> of the day, like I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of business is done, you know, in this sort of like social world or like out at drinks, you know, uh, not in the office setting? I mean, a lot of all of it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say all of it, but I would say a large percentage. People want to do business with their friends, and people want to do business with people that they can have a drink with, and they can kick it with, and, and watch football with. Like yeah, just like how they went to the president. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's um, that's really it. I 
you know, most of the people that I know, some of the people that I'm around, one, they don't have jobs, and two, they're not in the office every day, and they just grind, like, you know, oh, let's go grab coffee, I got this new spot, like, LA is a place where foodies connect, you know, mm-hmm. so, oh, I got this one spot, let's go, let's go over here, you never had this place before, so, I would say a lot of it is done outside of... Now, for the young folks on the come up, though, that could get a bit costly. Absolutely. Going to all these dinner meetings, having beers all the time. What's your advice to somebody who's, you know, doesn't have the money to be spending $200 on, on dinners and beers and drinks every week? I'm the worst. Like, I, I actually shouldn't be giving advice on this. I'm going to tell you guys what I, what I want to do and what I aspire to do. Because I'm the guy that I used to do, like, no lie, like... I used to do three to four meetings, like, back-to-back, and they'd be at restaurants, and I would eat every time. Oh, God. And not only would I eat every time, I always like to avoid the awkward moments, and I always like to put my best foot forward, so I'd be paying for it all the time. So, I got yours, and I got mine, every time. So, $80 bills for meetings, like, were a regular thing, like, for the whole day, you know? So, I'm the wrong demographic, I'm the wrong person to ask. (laughs) Um, but one thing that I've been trying to do is literally set up coffees like, let's go to Starbucks. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I still haven't gotten out of the habit of like buying other people's stuff. So, but at least with Starbucks, you know, the most I'm going <laughs> to yeah. come out is like eight bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. I'm glad you made that switch, brother. Yeah. I'm, me personally, I don't, I don't like a Skype phone call, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go get me. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it, I don't, honestly, I don't even know. It's, it's, uh. I just like efficiency, man. So I don't really, I don't enjoy going all around town and like meeting with this person and meeting with that person here because yeah. it's just like I'm so busy working yeah. that like if we're not actually just getting something done, then it's like I don't need to physically be there. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm a digital dude for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working on that too. Like, first of all, I'm, I'm only. I'm not running around trying to run around and meet everybody. That's the one thing. So I'm like, yeah. I'm definitely like, you know, I don't even know what the word is. There's a gate there. You know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm siphoning. What's the word? I don't even know. Um, I'm yeah. curating yeah. <laughs> the right people, I okay, guess, okay. that I want to meet with. But, um, but yeah, but in other cases, see, but I, I would prefer in person because then you could see like, Depending on what it is that I'm working on at that time, mm-hmm. you're gonna feel my genuine excitement. And by the time it's all said and done, like you may not, you may have never heard or had interest in what I'm working on, but you're gonna want to be involved. Mm-hmm. That's like how I try to approach everything. Like I look in the mirror before every meeting. Like I gotta go in here and kill it. Like I never know what this is gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely prefer in person. But you know, if it's if it's something I can't do in person, I'm down for the phone call. Got it. Got it. What uh you know what what's exciting to you right now in the digital video space in the web series space? What do you have your eyes on? Um, well, the thing that's most exciting there's two things. Um, podcasting is is very very exciting. You know, I where podcasting is going is you know I think it's gonna it hasn't even reached the surface. It hasn't like oh, even, yeah, it's blown up. Man. It hasn't blown up to where it could be yet. Yeah. Um, and I think it just goes to show like the generation that we're in where people just want content across all platforms and across all mediums. So before it was like, I want video everywhere. Now with podcasting, it's like, I want to be able to hear you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that podcasting is very important. And the great thing about podcasting is for you entrepreneurs out there is that there's a lot of people 
almost everybody right now wants to do a podcast, but they don't know how to make money. And so that is something that I'm working on, helping people make money in podcasting. So do your research because that's a big market right now. I I have yet to talk to someone who wants to do a podcast and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. This is what the show is going to be about. And then they're like, oh yeah, and this is how I'm going to make money off of it. I have yet to talk to anybody like that. Yeah, it's hard, man. Um, I don't, yeah. I mean, advertising is a big thing, but you got to have your numbers up. So yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely something that, I mean, a gap is in the market. Um, what about in video? What are you looking at? Um, so the video, I mean, you know, YouTube, but I don't know if this counts as video, but I just got my Snapchat waves. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it yeah. definitely counts as video. Yeah. So I, when I read an article that said, you know, treat Snapchat like your own reality show. And that was <laughs> it for me. Cause at first I didn't understand it. When I read that, I was like, okay, I'm about to show people like yeah. my own reality show. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm excited about Snapchat. I don't do Vine. I just watch other people. Um, you know, the, the way that the market is going is there's a lot of brands that are trying, or there's a lot of brands that really love video across all platforms. So, um, they're going after influencers is what they're calling them. So, you know, traditional marketing is, is still there, but if you're big on Instagram, you're big on YouTube or Vine, they're like, Hey, want to work with you? And I know some of the top viners, you know, they don't move for less than 10,000 a vine, you know, $10,000 for a branded vine, $10,000 for a branded vine. Um, and I see six seconds, six, that's the quickest 10 racks ever. Yeah. And I've seen the contracts and like, it's literally, these are the things we want you to say, make sure you put this in the description and use your own creativity. And the crazy thing is some of these viners are shooting these videos and they have a contract that says, okay, it has to be up for three months. After three months, they're erasing it. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, this branded, branded content is, is definitely... I mean, but is, uh, is it like, is, is the brand even involved? Like, it, because is it still as popular as some of their other vines? You know, like... First of all, the consumers are very, very savvy. Yeah, and I've sure. seen a lot of stuff... Um, I've seen a lot of promoted tweets and Facebooks, and they get significantly less likes and significantly less engagement. Uh, engagement, everything, yeah. Because the consumers are like, ah, I'm not going to support that, or they see it and they're like, you know, I respect that you're getting your money, but I'm not going to engage with this post. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is that again, we're at a time where you can take advantage. So, like back in the day, when I was taking advantage of. Oh, I can do social media stuff, which really meant nothing. I just knew a lot more. I just knew a little bit more than most people I was using as my calling card. Mm-hmm. That's what these like um, these social media kids are doing. They're like, oh, I can, you know, let me promote your car. Let me promote your movie, yeah. you know. And here's the thing. Vine and Instagram have very low conversion rates. Oh, so extremely. Low. You know, there's no there's no button on Vine or like if I put a description on my Vine on my Instagram, like oh that says oh if you like if you like this car or if you like this uh, if you like the um, the parody I did to this movie, click here and buy a ticket. It comes out this Friday. Like there's nothing like that yet. Mm-hmm. But the brands are like oh we got to be involved because this is the thing that's popping. It seems like they're just wasting a lot of money. Yeah, they're I wasting mean, for money. for. It's because you can't even really measure 
especially on Instagram, you can't even measure impressions, you know, of how many people saw something. Right. You can just see how many people liked it. And, I mean, very honestly, it's like, if you're looking at, if, if, if you're talking about a brand's results and metrics that are, that, that determine the success of something, I just don't really see the difference of like me hitting my phone two times or me not doing that. Like there's, there's not that big of a difference in whether I did hit like, or I didn't hit like it to me, it's all about, did I see that thing and did I look at it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're selling. They're selling, you know, I have a million followers. I have a couple hundred thousand followers, so the odds of these people seeing it mm-hmm. are very high. That's what they're selling. Yeah, but it's so it's so hard to actually prove how many people did see it. Yeah. You know, which is which is why Snapchat is interesting because it's actually you can actually tell how many people did watch a certain thing. Oh, you can. Yeah, you can you can go into it, and uh, uh, well, I don't have any recent snaps. I've been I've been slacking, but. Um, if you like click on your story mm-hmm. and then click on the actual video, it'll tell you how many people watched it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Oh, that's something new. I was actually so, kind of like, kind of like how Vine has loops. Like, you know, right. It's like that basically. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I think that social media marketing, you know, there's a need for it. Um, there just needs to be better technologies to measure and better technologies to make an impact. But because um, you know they're spending significantly less money with these influencers than they would if they did like a TV commercial oh, or yeah, if they yeah, created yeah. a billboard. So yeah, I mean, digital versus traditional, it still hasn't that the ad spend money hasn't hasn't matched. And uh, I don't know. Everybody, when I read reports, people say it's it's going in that direction, but yeah. Who knows? I mean, even on the YouTube sense, like, I try to be, like, really bullish with the deals that we do because, essentially, you know, you're paying for a video that I'm going to put out, you know, next week, but that video is going to live forever. Mm -hmm. So, if I do a product integration, like, you pay, the money that you paid was only supposed to be for maybe a month or two, but it's going to be three, four, five years. So in essence, you're gonna be getting your money and some. So it's great to advertise on YouTube content, or especially for a popping show, mm-hmm. because you're gonna make your money tenfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about you know because you work so closely with Issa, just some of the ancillary opportunities that that she was able to create, and and how should people be thinking that do have an audience on social media? You know, how should they be thinking? in ways to increase their revenue opportunities, you know, in, in, in other ways besides just relying on social media network X. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's not about an audience. It's about do you have a brand? And, you know, Issa told me, I didn't really understand, but she said, I want to make Awkward Black Girl a brand. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, the web series is popping. I don't really know what you mean by that. And so, you know, we haven't put out the web series probably two years now think two years and we still sell you know a good amount of shirts per month um, we still get a lot of people that comment on stuff like oh when are you guys bring awkward black girl back um, so the brand is very strong so like if the if the series never comes out people are still going to the websites people are still buying merch people are still very much invested um, 
But, you know, some of the things that we did, like in the beginning, I used to just play around and like test what would work. So, like, I remember one time we came out with a candy box. Like, we were selling cookies. Like, they were awkward black girl branded cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I actually need to hit up the person who did that. Um, I haven't talked to her in a while. But, yeah, we were selling. So, we sold cookies. Um, you know, we sold T-shirts, um, everything. Like, any type of merch you could think of, we sold it. Um, we did workshops. Um, the workshops included uh, private consul consultations and... Um, and they did panels as well. And basically, it was like a workshop on how we were able to create everything that we created. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of giving people, this is, you know, this is how we found success. And these are some, this is some insight on how you can do it as well. Exactly. Okay. Um, Stuff I, that people would find valuable and would want to pay for. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, besides that, um, you know, the channel, we built up the channel to where it had such a strong following we were able to start reaching out to other content creators and we started putting other content creators shows on our channel and that was like our distribute we basically acted as a distribute distribution platform for people who had great shows but they may not get the audience that they wanted mm -hmm. that they would need so we provided the audience for them so that was another ancillary revenue stream for us um, you know we're about to do a series of courses online courses with Udemy um, that's basically going to give you how-tos on everything digital. So, you know, Issa's come out with a book uh, February 10th. She sold two TV shows. Um, the list goes on and on. Yeah, like, yeah. She's on a TV show right now as we speak. Um, it's on Exhale. Um, or is it Aspire? It's on Aspire it's on called Exhale. Yeah, it's yeah. on Aspire called Exhale. Um, Magic Johnson's network. So, so much that and this is she's an anomaly you know she's not even the biggest black youtuber she's not she's definitely by far not the biggest youtuber but she was able to just yeah, right crush right it. time yeah like you know? unlike a lot of other youtubers or yeah yeah just people in like i guess with large audiences man so yeah man well benoni thank you for coming through brother um Anything else you want to let the people know, man? Where can they find you? Yeah, man, you got to talk about your... I mean, you have so much stuff going on. Talk about uh, MIC, what you've been able to create with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I have, I have a, a networking group. So, the guy that doesn't go to networking events and hates the word networking. <laughs> I actually have a networking group, but I made it, like, super low-key. So, it's invite-only, and it's basically email-based. And I try to do an event once a month where all the members come out. Um, so I'm no longer in the music industry, but all my friends are in the music industry. So this was kind of my way of, of staying relevant in the music industry. So it's just a group of about 200 people that are in the music industry and they post about, Hey, my company is looking, is looking to hire for this position or, Hey, my artist has this show. You guys should come out and we should, you know, connect the network. Uh, so I have that. And then I have my uh, flagship series called the biz plan, which is, uh, just a, Right now, it's an entrepreneur profile series, so I just interview... Which is a video series, by the way. Yeah, it's a video series, so I interview entrepreneurs. Um, I got Jabari on an episode. I yes, sir. Issa Rae on an episode. Um, Morgan from Blavity. Um, you know, Tay Hansberry was a fashion blogger. Julian Mitchell from King, Revolt. King Quarantine. Batch. King Batch was one of the people. So, that's... Um, that's my flagship series right now. I got other iterations of the biz plan that are going to be coming out over the next year. Um, and yeah, 
I mean, follow me on, on Instagram, at uh, Noni Biz, that's N-O-N-I-B-I-Z-Z. -Z. I just came out with this new cartoon series called Biz Tunes, which is basically my way of trying to be funny and providing you with a little bit of education on, um, you know, taxes and real estate and anything to do with finances. Nice, nice. So at the end of the day, I'm trying to be the guy that breaks entrepreneurs. So you know, like you have pigs and planes, uh, pigeons and planes, uh, who basically like they they're known for breaking artists. I want to be the guy that breaks entrepreneurs. So if I feature them or if I show you that I'm working with them, this is a person that you need to be looking out for in the business world. Like that's kind of the lane I'm trying. I'm creating for myself. Nice, nice. And there'll be much more to come with me and this guy. Um, Man, so much stuff, man. So much stuff. Brother, glad to call you a friend. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming through. And you guys, make sure to go to Sprite.com because my campaign, The Thirst of the Burrows, uh, is live there. And I had a really good time running all over New York City, talking to upcoming entrepreneurs and artists. And um, you guys can vote for whichever you think is the best one or whichever one represents New York City the best, and that person will be able to open up uh, at a concert that we are doing in New York with Drake and Nas. All right, so that is Sprite.com, Thirst of the Burrows. Um, go there, check it out. And what else do I have going on? Um, Colors is coming back to New York City in March. Uh, I have a date soon. Uh, Colors LA is crazy. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Um, and... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll talk to you guys about the TV show that I'm working on. I'm pretty excited about that. It's my first TV credit. Your boy went from YouTube to the television screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's coming out later in the year. Um, so yeah, very excited about that. But uh, I'll get into it later in some other podcasts. And like I said, if you guys are supporting the podcast, if you want to support it, thank you so much to everybody that has been supporting and keeps supporting on Patreon. You guys can go to patreon.com slash Jabari and leave as little as a $1 tip for the Words with Friends podcast. I promise I'm coming back more, all right? Stay tuned. We're back. Words with Friends. All right? Peace.